Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin, getting back in the swing of things after a hiatus from the show. I really want to thank everybody out there, all the listeners, for the kind words that I've received, the prayers, the vibes. Uh, while we've been on break, of course, I've been on break because my mother uh, has gotten sick, uh, cancer. And I'll say a quick word about how my mom is doing at the end of the pod. But first, we have an oh-so-special show for you this week. Uh, we are talking to a favorite of the show, the coach, Kevin McNutt. And we're going to talk about some NBA finals, and we're going to talk about Shikari Richardson. We're going to talk about marijuana, and we're going to talk about the reassertion of hierarchy in the world of not only track and field, but in the world of sports. Also, I've got some choice words about Gwen Berry, Just Stand Up and Just Sit Down Awards, and more. But first, let's talk to the coach, Kevin McNutt. But first, as promised, I have on the line mi compadre supremo, the coach, <laughs> Kevin McNutt, to go over the latest happenings in sports. Coach, this is like me putting on my, my big boy pants. I'm, I'm wading back into the pool doing some podcasting after taking a few weeks off because of the family concerns. I really appreciate you helping me get back into my business. You are my man, Dave Zion. I feed you the rock anytime I can. Just, just finish, Dave. I mean, you know, I get you to the rim, man. Finish. I finish. Are you kidding me? I am a young Blake Griffin, and <laughs> and my entire life is Lob City. Every minute of every day. <laughs> you say Blake Griffin. I remember him jumping over cars. I, I, I don't remember you jumping off a, a piece of paper, but if you say so. Please, I could hurdle a magazine like nobody's business. I, <laughs> I'm man. hurdling matchbox cars on my way up to the rim. <laughs> well done. Trying to touch the net as I put up a, a lefty layup. <laughs> you know, this, I, this, this, this may outdate myself, but there was a, there was a, a TV show that called Fantasy Island, and there was a little guy on there called Tattoo. The plane, the plane, the plane. That's where you are, but that's another subject. Wait a minute. Someone edit that out of the show, please. Um, and and give and put some respect on Hervé Villachez's name, please. Uh, Calling him tattoo. That's Hervé Villachez. But that's neither here nor there. Coach, some huge yes, news in the world of sports. Yes, and yes. I just want to cover. I thought this would be a good way for me to get back into the podcasting game. Mm -hmm. Let's just cover this in quick order. We got the NBA Finals, mm -hmm. which last I talked to my podcast audience, I was saying, relax, the 76ers are going to beat the Hawks and are mm -hmm. on the line for the finals. So mm -hmm. maybe don't listen to me. Well, don't forget, um, I, 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 you also said Clippers, though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I, I had Sixers Clippers final. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. So I was completely <laughs> off on every front. Um, but we we just finished at the time of this recording game two of the NBA finals. And mm -hmm. I might as well give my two cents, even though when by the time Come this comes live, it's going to be game three. Right. And everybody's <laughs> going to have a million different opinions about what's taking place. But whatever. Right. right. We also want to talk about Shikari Richardson's suspension. Yes. For smoking the demon leaf. And. <laughs> Lastly, a little bit of talk about name, image, and likeness. And okay. uh, so, Coach, here I am. Uh, here I am, Blake Griffin, fresh face out of Oklahoma. Okay, well, here, 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 here's younger CP3. <laughs> well, here, here's the first one. We're going back to Milwaukee for two. Does Milwaukee get two, one, or do uh, are we headed for a sweep? We are not headed for a sweep. People can take that Suns and Four stuff, roll it up real tight, and cram it. Look, <laughs> Dave, I've been rare form. Go, bro. I've go, been brother, doing go. a deep dive into these games, and here's the fact of the matter: Giannis is playing like a two-time MVP, and that, that he's doing this on one leg is nothing short of, I think, epic. Uh, Chris Middleton is not shooting. Drew Holiday is not shooting. If these cats even hit. 40% of their shots, 40%, not from three, but 40% altogether, they win that game too. And Drew Holiday in particular, who I love as a player and have loved since college, mm -hmm. he missed some bunnies. Mm -hmm. We're talking in close, put it up, rims out with the layup. I mean, come on, some of that is pure luck because this is an NBA player. You don't be missing layups like that. 
I don't know if some of that is nerves. I'm inclined to say no. I think Drew Holiday is made of some serious tough stuff. So if I see him and Chris Middleton even coming back on a marginal level, I think the Bucks can win two at home, and we're talking about a whole new series. Remember the Pat Riley phrase, a series doesn't truly begin right. until a home team loses a game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to take till game five when we, we're with that question when the mm-hmm. Suns go back to Phoenix and play the Bucks, because I think the Bucks have these next two games sewn up. Mm-hmm. Etch mm-hmm. it stone, put it mm-hmm. down. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And the main reason why I'm so confident is remember what we talked about after game one, the big Achilles heel, Brooke Lopez on the pick and roll defense. And we had this whole discussion, like, do you stick with Brooke Lopez or do you go to a small lineup? And I said to you, they should stick with Brooke Lopez. You know, you, you go to the dance with, with who, who brought you and the like. And Brooke Lopez's pick and roll D and the schemes that they did on that in game two were brilliant. I mean, the Suns shot lights out from three-point range. I don't think they're going to do that again. A lot of their threes were not off-the-dribble pick and roll threes, but they were on scramble plays. Right. Uh, uh, but, but pardon me. Pardon I'm saying me. that's not on Brooke Lopez. Right, so right, 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 I right. feel I feel very good. Believe it or not, even though it was a 10-point loss, I actually feel very good about where the Bucks are at this point, and right, right, right. I see them going back and winning the next two games. Boom! But are, are we having, aren't you having a revisionist history moment there? Because I thought initially you were saying Brooks should have went to the bench, and then in our discussion, I kind of encourage you that Brooks is the man who got you there, and, and uh, I thought you you lost sight of the fact that you know in. Uh, in Giannis's absence, Brooks went for 33 in the critical game five against the Hawks. And then you kind of reverted back and saying, yeah, maybe Brooks is a, a good player to keep this, 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 to stay with. Am I right or wrong? Hmm. I think if you ask me, you got to go to the, the audio tape and find out the truth. Let's go to this clip to see what Dave really said. Playing right now. If you ask me, Brooke Lopez should stay in the game. I'm right, coach, and you're wrong. <laughs> My man. <laughs> there you go. That's the footage. That's okay. The- as long as we got to the same answer, that's good. Because I, I really think Brooks is, is going to take a bet. We got, you got to take him. He's seven foot. I like him. I think he can play. Um, Wait, I have a clip of you talking too, coach. Uh-huh. Here you go. You're right all the time, dude. <laughs> I like talking to you because you know more than I do. <laughs> Coach. I love this honest video and audio that we play on the podcast. Can, 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 you, can you Photoshop uh, you know, radio? I mean, that's what, I, that's <laughs> what it feels like, right? <laughs> right. Oh, but but look, I, another question. How much impact do you give just changing the venue from going to Milwaukee to Phoenix? I mean, from oh, going from Phoenix to Milwaukee. Fear the deer is a uh-huh. real thing. And I mean, the the crap from this is obviously I wasn't there, but from what I heard, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts of some of the folks who were there on site, the electricity in Phoenix was off the page. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a team that has never in a community, never won an NBA title, yep. haven't been to the title since ninety-three when Jordan scored forty-one a game and sent them on their way in six games. This this is something very special of what was happening in Phoenix. And, you know, you ask any player, they'll tell you, don't believe when players say, oh, the crowd doesn't matter. You mm-hmm. know, the crowd is is adrenaline. Yep. And yeah. that's why, if you remember, when COVID first hit, do you remember LeBron's reaction? He said, games yes. not being in front of fans, no way. That's right. a non-starter. Right. And it's like, uh, no, that's whether or not you're going to get paid. <laughs> the games are going to have to be not in front of fans. Correct. So the fact that the games are in front of fans um, makes a huge difference. I think for players like Chris Middleton, you know, who's showing himself to be streakier than I think a lot of us thought he was. Mm. I think he's going to have a lot of home cooking, particularly driving to the hoop, getting a foul call or two for once. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think Drew Holiday is missing bunnies. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason for him to be missing these bunnies. If he just hits his bunnies, mm-hmm. we have a different game. Right, right, right. And, and I, and I, I, at this game, uh, you were talking about the crowd swing. You know, um, it's Chris Paul and Crowder with only um, NBA experience. You know, 
uh, for the Suns. And I think they're going to be a little shell shock going in there and just see what the intensity a, a, a down 0-2 desperate team brings. Um, so this is rarefied air for them. So I, I really think Milwaukee gets – I agree with you. I think Milwaukee gets these two. I, by the way, Dave, who – I'm not on record saying I want Phoenix to win because of Monty Williams being a local product from the D.C. area where, where I'm at. But um, who do you want to win? Well, first and foremost, I mean, you just mentioned it in a big way. It's difficult to not root for the Phoenix Suns because Monty Williams, not just because he's had a lot of personal tragedy, yes, like yes, you would like to see just him have some 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 joy in his life, mm-hmm. but it's also the fact that you know we, we're a DC based show. He's right. a local guy. We always want to see the local folks succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's but. Honestly, like I'm in Milwaukee's camp just because it's interesting because I had this big debate with my son, Jacob, about this Mm because both of us, you know, we're Wizards fans. We have no real skin in this game. We're having these finals because we feel like even though the games haven't been really that close in the fourth quarter, you've got two teams that are just so thrilled to be there and busting their asses Mm -hmm. the amount of effort i'm seeing on the court obviously you expect it for an nba finals i feel like it's even next level Mm -hmm. every play feels important Mm -hmm. everything on court feels important it's been and i can't remember the last time i saw an nba finals that felt that way wow and i'm getting i'm getting a lot out of this from Mm -hmm. a fan perspective Mm -hmm. now my son jacob's like hey we have no dog in this fight Let's root for the Suns because Monty Williams is local. Jake cares about that, too. And Chris Paul getting his flowers at age, I believe, 36. Correct. So let him do that. Right. My take is, like, you've got so many Giannis haters out there. (laughs) And so many. And, like, oh, worst two-time MVP ever. Who's the worst two-time MVP, Giannis or Steve Nash? That's what I see people talking about online. Really? That's interesting. Go ahead. Continue. That's fascinating. You know, people don't even understand. Giannis is like if they stretched out Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> Not stretch, stretched him out because he's the same. He's like probably Wilt's height, you know, right. seven foot seven one. I mean, more like if Wilt Chamberlain went on that Dick Gregory Bahama diet. Right, right, right. I, I got you. You know, <laughs> super skinny Wilt. I mean, <laughs> playing it inside, soft shots, you know, like, I mean, I, I would love to see Giannis get his flowers quite mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big, I can't get over this. I'm just a big Drew Holiday fan. Really? That's just me. Like, I, where I watch this cat, I'm like, yo, that's how I played in high school. <laughs> how can I not love this guy? Well, excuse me, how you played in high school? Oh, yes. Wait, wait, wait. Dave, I, you know, I got to tell you, fans now, you were a 5'9 center for the Bronx in your high school. Team. Stop, stop, just stop it. And it was it was Lower Manhattan, but you know whatever the facts are. The point is, is that that kind of crafty can't really jump inside game using the left hand effectively. You know that was me, man. Okay. So like fr- from a, it's interesting. So in our house, we love both teams, but. The sun is leaning towards the suns. Right, right, right. And the right, big right, buck is <laughs> the bucks. Well, as usual, I'm down with Jake, my man. So that, that, that's good. But, and, and, and to that end, I was a Giannis cat, Dave, way back when in his second year or third year when he led the bucks in five offensive categories. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, five categories, not offensive, all of them. Scoring, rebounding, assists, steals, and block shots. I think only three or four guys have done that in history on a, on a team. And I was a big fan then. And his progression, I've kind of soured a bit because, you know, he wasn't trying to score threes. You know, like, hey, I do what I do best. Now he wants to shoot threes. His free throw mechanics are horrible. It needs to be exploded. But that's a different conversation. So I'm a big Giannis cat. Have been ever since his second, third year in the league. But I just hear, you know, Monty Williams, I know him. I reffed him. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm there with that one. So I, I lean to the Suns. But anyway, um, so ultimately, where do you see this series going? Uh, you, you say it's going to be 2-2. Going seven. I really uh, do. You see seven? Yes. Okay. Okay. And if I'm way? wrong, it's going to be because the Bucks busted their behinds and just were not good enough to handle the best guard duo in the NBA. Simple Devin, as Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Yes, with this okay. kid, Mikhail Bridges, looking like he's got 
potential to be way beyond a three and D. It actually reminds me a little bit of Kawhi Leonard. Uh-huh. When Leonard, people were like, oh, what an ideal three and D player for, for the Spurs. You know, the ideal supporting guy. And then he messes around, gets the finals MVP. And people are like, well, maybe this could be a superstar. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Bridges is going to be a finals MVP or a superstar. I'm just saying his ceiling to me looks nicely and healthily beyond the role that he's currently playing. Right, right, right. Well, you know, Bridges won a, won a championship on that Villanova squad, uh, one. And then Devin Booker averaged six points coming off the bench at Kentucky. Amazing. Can you imagine that? Amazing. No, yeah, I, yeah. and drafted 13 overall. And okay. according from the Suns' perspective, from the perspective of the Suns, he was the person they had their eye on the whole time and were shocked that he dropped to number 13. Is that right, Dave? Yes. <laughs> you do your homework. That's one thing I would give you. <laughs> you know your stuff, my friend. That, I did not know that. I, I, I didn't find it very interesting. And, you know, and that happens sometimes. Like a player is so good out of high school. You saw this for worse with uh, James Wiseman this past year. Yes, yes. Somebody is just so good coming out of high school that what they do in college is an irrelevancy. You saw that for the better with Kyrie Irving, who barely played at Duke and mm-hmm. was the number one overall pick, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Booker, they clearly saw something due to his high school play right. that had to say this is somebody special. Right. Yeah, right. And 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 he's he's labored. Uh, I remember one time, Dave, you, 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 me and Jake, you know, you had you got tickets, you, you got connections mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, we went to a game, and I think they played. They played the Wizards. Uh, obviously, they played the Wizards, and um, Lit them Devin up. Booker had thirty-eight or forty, and, and they upset the, um, the the Wizards that time. I think they were only winning like twenty games at the time. And, and we said then, Booker special because we were up close and personal. And uh, well, you know, it was just a matter of time before he got in the spotlight via the playoffs. And here he is. Do you remember the other player in that game who lit it up for the Suns? He came from NC State, but I, I'm losing his name right now. T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren. There it is. I was going to say Walker, but it's Warren. Yeah. The yeah, next yeah, year, not the next year, but two years later, like he lit it up in the bubble, and people were like, yep. "Where did T.J. Warren come from?" And we were yep. like, "Yeah, yep. no, T.J." Yep. And, and why was he traded, Dave? Because I thought he was probably you know along with, along with uh, Booker was you know be the um, the one two combination that's going to lead Phoenix to to uh, no to where they are now. I think they're creating space. Is what okay. I think. sometimes there's this such a thing as addition by subtraction. Correct. If you right. get rid of folks, not because they're bad in the locker room or bad on the court, but just because you see a cat like Mikhail Bridges and you say, "We need more space." Right. 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 Well, well Warren was ball nominated. Bridges does. I mean, he does. You know, he runs, runs to the spot, catch and shoot. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't want to do a lot of fancy dribbling. You know, hold the ball. He moves it. Um, and well, he's a Villanova guy. Jay Wright does a master of, of teaching his guys how to play basketball the right way. So, yeah, he does. And, and before we, before we segue, Dave, I, I know you want to touch on some other subjects, but did you see when I watch games? I'm very stoic because I'm a referee. And so I've, you know, I've learned to just watch games and, and put emotion aside. But I actually jumped up. They had a possession where they swung the ball like 10 times. Yes. And ultimately got an and one for I don't know who it was for. I, I think it was Aiden. But that play right there might have been the 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 play that uh epitomizes the series in, in general. That ball moved unselfishly around the horn twice. Twice. Before they got it in for an and one five footer for Aiden. I think it was Aiden who got the bucket. It was Aiden. No, it ended with a dive to I think Crowder, who then dumped the ball into Aiden, who got an N one. Yep. On a layup. Yep. yep, yep, uh, yep. I'm not 100% sure it was Crowder who did the pass on the dive, but it was – actually, it might have been Cameron Payne, actually, who did the pass okay. dive. Okay, but, but, but you know the play we're talking about. Oh, yes. It's yeah. clear as day in my mind. And I'll never forget Mike Breen had a great comment after that play. He said, somewhere Norman Dale is smiling. And I was <laughs> thinking to myself, how many people get that reference, really? I, I still don't. Who's Norman Dale? That's Okay. It's that's why we we raise these things to Norman Dale was the coach in the, I believe, 1987 film Hoosiers. Oh, okay, okay. And you remember Norman Dale's rule was the ball 
gets does not get dribbled. Like right. no more right. than like three or four dribbles in an offensive right. possession. You pass that. Pass. Right. Pass. Right. pass. Right. Right. And right. this one player started dribbling and making shots and Dale right. them out of the game. Right. 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 I remember that. Town yeah, folk yeah, yeah. are upset. Yeah. It was a whole thing, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, you know, okay. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who's didn't have any brothers on that team? So I understand why they had to pass the ball around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a big criticism of the movie because it's like they win the final game against a team that's based on Oscar Robertson. Oscar Robertson, yeah, get out of here, man. <laughs> and it's just it's and Oscar Robertson won his state championship. You're right, that's what I'm saying. So they rewrote history. <laughs> to have, like, look at this old-fashioned Caucasian way, of and it's like, come on, man, Oscar Robertson busted. <laughs> Wait, I mean, look, they, they did it in a movie. You did it at the beginning of the show here talking about your high school career. So, I mean, it happens all the time. You know what I'm saying, Dave? Happens all the time. <laughs> By everybody. You know what I mean, Dave? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Next issue, Shakari Richardson. Yes, my friend. She has yes. been suspended for uh, having a little bit of the leaf, a, a couple of those jazz cigarettes. Right. <laughs> let me say just a quick word about this. You've heard me say this before, Coach, so I apologize. Yes, Born. Go, roll, brother, because it's, it's, it's heavy commentary. Go. This is serious to me. Uh, if you know anything about the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, the, they're the people who test for the drugs. In their agreement with the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee and the International Olympic Committee, the rules for whether or not something is a performance-enhancing drug and therefore something that could suspend you from competition, it has to it has to be one of three categories. And let's talk about Shikari Richardson, marijuana, and these three categories. Come on. Category one. Yes, sir. It is a performance enhancer. Look, anybody who knows track knows that this is a quick twitch sport where you got to be on your toes. Your brain has to be as sharp as a Ginsu knife. Mm-hmm. The idea <laughs> that marijuana makes you run faster is like something out of reefer madness. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. I've got, you've heard me say this, Coach. Unless yes, you had some well. toast cheese and <laughs> saltines across that finish line, there's no <laughs> way that's a performance enhancer for Shakari Richardson. So let's get that out of the way right away. One of, one of your best lines, by the way, Dave, because, you know, you're not exactly a witty kind of guy, but that, 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 that's very good. And matter of fact, I'm not even sure that's yours. You sure that wasn't stolen from somebody that you're not getting royalties to? Please. The only thing I steal are hard <laughs> lines. <laughs> The second, so that's one thing. So it's not a performance answer. The second thing which could cause somebody from getting disqualified, suspended from races is, is the substance that you are taking, does it pose a harm to yourself or to another competitor? Now, this is interesting because if I heard that somebody you know, throwing the shot put was on weed, I would say, yeah, that person needs to be suspended. Because who knows, they might throw that thing and, and you know, <laughs> land in the ground and upset the, the coffin of Jim McKay himself. You know, you, <laughs> you don't want anybody doing that if they're doing javelin, for example. <laughs> Make some human shish kebabs. You don't want that. <laughs> Understood. Talking about sprinting, you, you are not a danger to yourself or anybody else by smoking marijuana as a sprinter. So it's not a performance enhancer. It's not a danger to you or anybody else. And then there's the third reason, which is what I'm convinced they said that Shikari Richardson did. She violated the spirit of the Olympic Games. Give me a break. The spirit Uh-oh. of the Olympic Games Uh-oh. is debt, displacement, and the militarization of public space. Come on, we in your wheelhouse now. There go, is, Dave, go. No, you damn right. Damn right. <laughs> I'm like Reggie Jackson in 77, and this, and this issue is Bob Welch. <laughs> Three straight pitches. Bye. Bang, bang, bang. Come yeah. on, Dave. Go, go. So this is the issue. The Olympics have no moral ground upon which to stand to say that anybody violates the spirit of the Olympics. Give me a break. That's like the people who own... Uh, the Bellagio Casino, being mad at people for playing the slots. Mm. Give me a break. So because Shikari Richardson did not violate any of those three precepts that the U.S. 
and the World Anti-Doping Agency have put down, I think it is an absolute absurdity that she is being suspended from these Olympic Games. And I'm not just saying that, even though it is, a, I have to admit, a, a, a reason in my brain that I think Shikari Richardson would have been Flojo 2.0. Mm. An wow. absolute superstar. Yes, sir. Coming out of these games. Yes, sir. She's got the personality, the charisma, the personal story, and the insane skills. Mm-hmm. That, and I got to say, the style. Mm-hmm. The style for days. Even mm-hmm. by the standards of women's sprinting, which has always had the kind of like futuristic style that other Olympians could only hope to aspire to. So I just think Shikari Richardson got the rawest of raw deals. Now, that being said, I know what you're going to say, Coach. Shikari Richardson has taken responsibility. Yes, she has. Shikari Richardson yeah. has said all the right things. Shikari Richardson has responded to this with so much class. Yes, sir. And all I have to say is just because she responds with so much class Uh-oh. does not mean that I have to. Oh, I got my own truth. <laughs> my truth is that she belongs in Tokyo. Let me ask you this, Dave. Well, boy, I'm on both fronts. I'll stay on. Uh, no, let me just jump this. So, why didn't she get on the back end on the relays? That's what I'm thinking. Because we got two things. Both these are parallel. Why? So, why isn't she on the relays? Because she has the fastest time. Uh, all those things about personality and a TV star. Uh, and why is she on the relays then? You know, you're asking even if you argue about the suspension, and we, and, and, I, and, I, and you know I disagree with. I, mean, I agree with what you say, but I'm I agree with the suspension too. But more so than that, why is she on the relay team? You know, God, you know the, you know the, this is this is just a very difficult question. I get the feeling that they didn't accept her because they were they were making their point. They're reasserting their hierarchy. They did not offer anything. This is what they said. They said, while our heartfelt understanding lies with Shikari, we must also maintain fairness for all the athletes who attempted to realize their dreams by securing a place on the U.S. Olympic track and field team. Blah, blah, blah. Corporate speak means nothing. The other bit of corporate speak you're hearing is that the world, is that the United States um, Association of Track and Field said that they believe that the World Anti-Doping Agency rules regarding THC quote, would be reevaluated. So very interesting indeed. And they're saying that like, this is about the integrity of the rules. And that's why the incredible Shikari Richardson won't be there. And they want to be consistent. There's like, if you're going to be punished, you're going to be punished. But 30 days is punishment. I know. Okay. Okay. And so, which means, and again, I'm for the suspension because you know, uh, uh, it, it, the rule is the rule. She she took responsibility for it. I think I gave an example of um, <clears throat> uh, if I'm refereeing a game and uh, Dame Lillard uh, shoots one from 45 and, uh, and, and knocks it down, Steph comes down uh, and knocks it down from 45, and I say, hey, I want to award that four point. It's so deep, I want to make a four point instead of the three point where, you know, where it is now. I can't do that. Right now, I can't. Next year, the rule might say, hey, that's a, it's a four-point shot. Okay, then we do it. But as it stands right now, I can't do it. So she knows, we all know, the marijuana, by this time next year, we'll be out and, and um, as a uh, banned substance. But right now, it is, so you got to pay the piper. Now, so now you're telling me, and, and the suspension is 30 days, 30 days. 30 days are up. So let her run because she has the fastest time. Just a meritocracy. She beat everybody else. Get in there. So my, my question to you, I'm long-winded, but coming back to your my question, Dave, you're so good at it. I learned so much from you. Is there something behind the scenes? Was she too much of a personality? Was she, you know what I mean, um, yes. with the hair and the nails and the yes. Flojo 2 things? Is this why she's not on a team? Yes. Okay. But But I would argue that it's less because they feared her incredible charisma and genius and more that they are doing what the tennis world is doing to Naomi Osaka. They're doing what the NBA fans are doing. We're going to talk about this later in the show with regards to Gwen Berry. This is a, the, the great hammer thrower. This is about reasserting hierarchy and letting athletes know, hey, you may have run the, you know, to use the words of, um, 
the the late Houston Texans owner Bob McNair when he said, you know, the 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 players are are running the yes. plane or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the players are running in asylum or something that, you know, it, it was, like it was, it had a whole lot of race based overtones to it. Really? Well, even though no one has said those words, I'm just telling you, that's the vibe I get from all I got you. is that they, they're saying, wow, throughout 2020, the players ran things because mm-hmm. we needed them because of COVID and the fact that if they weren't willing to risk their health and their lives, Mm-hmm. facing um economic catastrophe so mm. they had to do whatever they could during 2020 including as players were shook as we all were shook after the police murder of george floyd mm-hmm. said we will do whatever we have to do to make you comfortable playing your sport while still being able to speak out about these injustices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now the minders of sport at all levels are saying, hope you enjoyed your furlough. But furlough, wow, wow, Dave Barry. Wow. That's their vibe. Spatialized, highly intense, highly about the reassertion of hierarchy. And to that end, Dave Zarin and the folks that follow Dave Zarin and love Dave Zarin and all the work that you do, you said this back in May. Matter of fact, you didn't just say it. You put it in print, which is more powerful than just saying it on, you know, in, so, in, you know, out in the stratosphere. You wrote about how the IOC is attempting to go back and censorship and, and um, deny uh, individual rights and vote and uh, speaking rights to all these players. You mentioned in, in, in one of your uh, um, posts that uh, the athletes cannot work, uh, cannot walk around the village not on the metal stand in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. And then you just did a post uh, this week, uh, Thursday, dealing with more of the same about the IOC trying to, uh, like you just said, right the ship <laughs> of, of uh, who's, who, who's calling the shots here. Exactly, Mundo. You're, you're hitting the nail, the proverbial nail right on the head. Wait a minute, Dave Zara putting butter on me? This is, this, this is a rarity. Hey, truth is truth is truth. <laughs> okay, but go ahead, speak. No, just just let all the butter fall upon <laughs> the bread, the toasted bread that is Kevin McNutt. Because <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that this reactionary wave in the world of sports it mirrors a reactionary wave in our broader society, and it's something that we should expect to see more of in the days and weeks to come. I say that with no with no joy. Trust I, me. I, I I bet you don't. And and, 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 and as as we know, Dave's iron to be. You will be on the front lines, uh, <laughs> ready to do do battle with word and, and and with word and pen. So keep doing what you're doing, soldier. Right on. Yeah. I'll tell you. I was going to talk to you about name, image, and likeness, but eh. <laughs> another day, another time. Another day, another time, coach. <laughs> Yes, so I, I really needed this. This is a way of me getting my my big boy pants on and yes, getting sir. back yes. in the arena. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, man, Dave, love, love to you, family. Um, you know, wishes for mom, prayers, not wishes, prayers for mom and, and you and the family. And uh, be strong, man. You got a you got a major support system. And uh, anytime, you know, you know how to reach me, man. Anytime, anyway. That's the coach, Kevin McNutt, everybody. Everybody out there in Edge of Sports land, a very, very, very valued, valued, valued human being in the constellation of all things Edge of Sports. We're going to take a quick break right now uh, after from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. We'll be back right after this, but first a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation Magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe, and please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now it's time for some choice words. 
okay, look, the Republican Party and their online minions have picked the wrong black athlete to demonize. After hammer thrower Gwen Berry made it to the Tokyo Olympics, finishing third at the U.S. Olympic trials, she did not stand at attention for the national anthem after taking the medal stand. Instead, she turned from the flag, faced the stands, and then draped a t-shirt that read athlete activist over her head in protest. She did this in response to the anthem being played, something that did not happen during most of the other medal ceremonies. She said, I feel like it was a setup and they did it on purpose. I was pissed, to be honest. It makes sense that Barry would be singled out. This is the same Gwen Berry who raised her fist from the podium at the 2019 Pan Am Games. This is the same Gwen Berry raised in Ferguson, Missouri, mere blocks from where Michael Brown was killed by Officer Darren Wilson and left to rot in the streets. This is the same Gwen Berry who has been a relentless proponent for racial justice, saying, I just want everyone to understand that as athletes, we can use our voice. We should use our voices to bring awareness to these issues that impact our communities, because our communities are the communities that are under attack. She later explained her latest medal stand protest by saying, I never said that I didn't want to go to the Olympic Games. That's why I competed and got third and made the team. I never said that I hated the country. I never said that. All I said was I respect my people enough to not stand for or acknowledge something that disrespects them. I love my people, point blank, period. In other words, this is the same Glenn Berry with whom you do not want to mess. When Dan Crenshaw heroically leapt onto Fox News two weeks ago following the trials, call for Gwen Berry to be expelled from the Olympic team, he was following a very old script in regards to how black rebel athletes have been demonized for more than a century for daring to do more than entertain. Crenshaw, using his platform as a member of Congress to chill someone from speaking out against racism, is seen as just fine. But the idea that a black woman would use her platform to speak her truth must be silenced at all costs. The shut-up-and-play strategy is an ugly, tired, and frankly, effective game. But Gwen Berry isn't having it. She has taken to Twitter to mock Fox News, Crenshaw, and all the assorted dirt merchants putting dust on her shoulder. Dust that she is casually flicking off with the roll of her eyes. Berry's fearless example for all of us is very important. We are living in a moment where there is an almighty reactionary surge against the teaching or even discussion about systemic racism in this country. Following the massive demonstrations of 2020 after the police murder of George Floyd, there was space for authors, activists, and athletes to speak their piece about the realities of systemic racism. Now we are drowning in a desperate, revanchist white supremacy arm-in-arm -arm with the Republican Party that aims to outlaw these discussions. Unable to compete in the vaunted marketplace of ideas and facing a young generation more demographically diverse and less tolerant of intolerance than any in U.S. history, they are trying to smother this thirst to confront racism by means legal and, if necessary, judging from these almost irredeemably ignorant, rage-soaked school board protests, violent. We have seen this in the sports world. An effort to reassert hierarchy and wealthy white control after a year of protest and what was often a commodified form of dissent. Whether we are talking about the official channels of threatening tennis player Naomi Osaka with banishment for challenging post-game interviews, or the spasms of fan, verbal, and physical attacks on players during the NBA playoffs, the message has been simple. Know your place or know the consequences. The attacks on Gwen Berry must be understood in this context. Yet Crenshaw, the hideous Ted Cruz, Fox News, and all their assorted minions picked on the wrong person in focusing their attacks on Berry. Now ready to go to Tokyo, the next question will be as to whether she takes her moral imperative to protest and challenges the International Olympic Committee's infamous Rule 50, which bars athletic protest. The IOC has even singled out the words Black Lives Matter and said explicitly that they must not be worn on any fields of play. Whether Gwen Berry challenges that rule or not, she has already shown the sports world and the real world how to respond to attacks and efforts to silence dissenters. 
You respond with fearlessness and you don't back down to bigots and bullies. That's the raw truth, as Barry might put it, point blank. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey, everybody out there. This is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports podcast. People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it. But we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. Now it's time for the part of the show we call Just Stand Up and Just Sit Your Ass Down. The Just Stand Up Award Stand up! goes to, and how can it not go to, Zyla Avant-Garde. Born Zyla Hurd, her father changed the family name to Avant-Garde as a tribute to John Coltrane. I'm a big believer, first of all, that if we all changed our last names to things that were influenced by John Coltrane, justice and peace on a global scale would be just around the corner. Zyla Avant-Garde is, of course, in the news for winning the Scripps National Spelling Bee. The first black American young girl to ever win the award. She's 14 years old from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, So she's made history just like that. But Zyla Avant-Garde gets the Just Stand Up Award this week for being a Renaissance person. You see, as the AP reported, in addition to her incredible spelling abilities, Avant-Garde holds multiple Guinness World Records in basketball, and she hopes to coach in the NBA after conquering the WNBA. And this is what Ms. Avant-Garde says. She says, basketball, I'm not just playing it. I'm really trying to go somewhere with it. Basketball is what I do. Spelling is really a side thing I do. It's like a little hors d'oeuvre, but basketball is like the main dish. By the way, Ms. Avant-Garde can also multiply and divide three-digit numbers in her head. <laughs> so we're talking about probably the most interesting person. And if you haven't seen online her basketball exploits, please rush to a computer and do so. I mean, it's remarkable what she's able to do with a ball in her hands. And it's obviously remarkable what goes on between her ears. So nothing explicitly political, but just by the sheer incredible example of her intellectual diversity and brilliance, we give the Just Stand Up Award this week to Zyla Avant-Garde. Stand up! The Just Sit Your Ass Down Award this week, Sit Your Ass Down. Sit your ass down! goes to several uh, football clubs, some of the most prominent football clubs in the world, Barcelona, Atletico de Madrid, and Inter Milan. You see, all three of these teams are going to be playing friendly matches in Israel, particularly against a club known as Beitar Jerusalem. Um, now, the in a letter that was sent specifically to FC Barcelona that was signed by more than 200 Palestinian sports clubs. They asked FC Barcelona to cancel its exhibition match against Beitar Jerusalem, scheduled to take place on August 4th. The Palestinian clubs note in their letter that Beitar Jerusalem is, quote, a deeply racist club whose fans, their fan group is known as La Familia, regularly chant death to Arabs. Betar fans have called for a Christian player from Nigeria to change his name because it sounded too Muslim. And they set fire to the club's offices after the club signed two Muslim players from Chechnya. The letter also notes that in mid-May, quote, as Israeli right-wing fascist thugs organized lynch mobs against Palestinians, a La Familia group chat called to, quote, break into their houses and stab them, start knocking on doors one by one. You see, Beitar Jerusalem is more than just a soccer club. It is a symbol of occupation, bigotry, and apartheid, and it attracts the absolute dregs of Israeli society to join it in its efforts at mob violence. To have a club as storied as FC Barcelona 
and a club with a left-wing history of FC Barcelona, play and legitimize Beitar Jerusalem in a friendly match is frankly and simply beyond the pale. So to FC Barcelona, listen to the Palestinian sports clubs and please sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. A couple last notes. First and foremost, I'm not exactly, you know, Mr. Film Reviewer over here, but if people listen to the show, you know I love the movies. And I've seen two documentaries that I want to strongly recommend, one which everybody's heard about, one which fewer people are hearing about. I want to do a strong recommendation for the movie that's on everybody's lips, Summer of Soul. Uh, It was, wow. Made by Questlove. Um, It's, of course, if people haven't heard, it's from the concerts in 1969 uh, that were put on over that summer, um, Harlem Cultural Festival concerts, and just amazing, unworldly performances by people like Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, Mahalia Jackson, uh, the Staples family. I mean, you have to see it to believe it. The, the incredible music on display. But what's also amazing is that no one has seen this footage for over 50 years. It's basically been in somebody's basement. And Questlove has revived it and also given us a film that's rich in political context as far as what was happening in the New York City of 1969. So I, it's done so beautifully and it's so well crafted. I can't recommend Summer of Soul enough. If you have the chance, mask up and see it in a movie theater. It's really worth it to see it on the big screen. Another film, you know, everybody's talking about Summer of Soul and for good reason. But another film, documentary that's out there that people need to see is called The One and Only Dick Gregory. And it's about the history of the comedian and civil rights activist Dick Gregory. And I have to say, I'm some, you know, I live in D.C., so I'm somebody who has met Dick Gregory, who met Dick Gregory before he passed, uh, who mourned when Dick Gregory died, who saw Dick Gregory speak at a million events. And I thought I knew Dick Gregory, but I knew, you know, I, I interviewed Dick Gregory's son on this podcast after he passed away. But I realized I knew very little of Dick Gregory's actual history. And it's a wild ride. And I'm not saying it's a wild ride because of personal stuff. It's not one of those salacious biographies that deals with, oh, look at all his his dark personal life or whatnot. What makes the documentary amazing is that it goes through exactly how Dick Gregory remained tethered to social justice and social movements, even as the movements disappeared from sight in the 70s and 80s, 90s, 2000s, like his social commitment remained. His commitment against the injustices of war and hunger and poverty and racism, Dick Gregory never stopped. He just tried to find new ways to do it once the mass movements of the 60s uh, seemed to die down. And it's it's really an interesting film about how he navigated that space. So see the one and only Dick Gregory. You'll thank me later. Uh, Last thing just to say is that, you know, I really do appreciate everybody who reached out to me uh, uh, during these last several weeks. Yes, my mom has a cancer diagnosis. Uh, Yes, it's stage four. Uh, Yes, she's in chemo. Uh, And the, the good news I have to say is that the You know, it's very localized in the lung, and uh, she had no ill effects from the first round of chemotherapy. So, so much love uh, to mom and her bravery right now. I don't know if it's going to mean I'll be in and out with the podcast this summer uh, because of having to help take care of her. Uh, But either way, just know, man, I just really appreciate all the prayers and all the vibes and all the good thoughts. So thank you, everybody on Edge of Sports Nation. Truly do appreciate it. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Thank you so much to our guests. Thank you so much to the um, producer of this podcast, David Tigabu. Thank you so much to everybody out there listening. If you like the show, tell a friend. 
give it a rating, write a little review, all that stuff makes a huge, huge difference. Um, also, pre-order my book, The Kaepernick Effect, coming out in September. Please do that. Uh, we're going to have uh, very exciting news coming up as far as like me traveling for the book, going to some different spots around the country. So that'll be fun. Uh, so for everybody out there listening, please, please, please mask up. Especially if you're going to be indoors. Stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.